Um, I'm really excited about tonight uh, for more reasons than one. Uh, one, because we're in the book of John, and I just think the book of John uh, is amazing. So if you would, please turn in your Bibles uh, to the book of John, chapter 10. Uh, when you get there, let me know by saying holla. If you're not there yet, let me know by saying hold up, which most of you are probably holding up right now. Uh, but, I, but I said it's more reasons than one. And when I say more reasons than one, I mean this very sincerely. Um, we just finished a sermon series called The Greatest Sermon Series Ever. Uh, it was five weeks long, and uh, all five weeks you heard from someone else besides me. And uh, uh, there's a reason we call it The Greatest Sermon Series Ever, uh, because it wasn't me. It was humbling. It was great. But I no, I, all jokes aside, uh, I, I was so blessed being able to take a break um, and, and really just hear from other ministers uh, of the gospel uh, we had some pretty pretty amazing speakers come through here uh, and just share the Word of God with you guys. And uh, I, I think that's really cool. I know uh, my uh, life was touched um, by the messages, and I, I pray your guys' was too. Uh, it, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't a, uh, just some random person we pulled off the side of the road. These were guys who, who I know uh, have invested in my life, uh, who have spoken to me. Uh, so I trust them fully uh, with teaching you guys. With that being said, we're going to be in the book of John for another 10 weeks before we do the greatest sermon series ever, volume two, and we're going to take another five-week break and hear from some, from some guest speakers. I think it's a good uh, habit for us to get into so you guys just don't get bored hearing from me. Uh, we've been in the book of John 25 weeks, and we're only to chapter 10, so if that's saying anything about the rest of the book, we're going to be here for the next year or so, guys, so just get ready for these speed bumps to maybe uh, break up the momentum of John so we can get a re-fresh uh, 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 jump into John. I know me, I'm super excited uh, because in five weeks uh, I didn't preach and uh, I'm really ready to preach to you guys. And when I say in five weeks I haven't preached, uh, I'm not just talking about at Ecclesia. Uh, the way we're doing youth group right now, uh, I'm facilitating some small groups and some discussion questions. So I legitimately normally preach two three times a week, and I haven't preached at all in the last five weeks. So if you do the math, two to three times, we're looking at about 20 sermons I normally would have preached, uh, and I haven't preached, and I, I, it's just something in my DNA that I like getting up and uh, what the Lord's gifted me with, and so uh, I've had something cooking for, for a long little while. And uh, I'm really excited for what God uh, is going to do through His Word uh, tonight. Uh, great time praying for our brother Jr. Taylor, thanks for opening us up in a word of prayer for the evening. We're going to just dive in, but before we dive in, I'm just going to pray uh, for, for tonight's message. Uh, and then we're going to take a look at what John chapter 10 has to say. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Dear God, we just thank you so much, God, for your word. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, to, 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 to hold your word, to see your word. God, to read your word. Uh, we thank you that we are privileged with the opportunity to understand what it means. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who, who is inside of us, God, and who is helping reveal the truth that is in this book and helping us remember the things which Jesus had taught. Uh, God, I pray that we never take, um, God, uh, your word for granted. God, we pray that we would never take the opportunity that we have to even hold your word for granted. Uh, God, we know that there are places in the world where having a Bible is a capital offense and people can be killed for that. God, uh, I pray that we don't just set our Bible uh, on our nightstand and forget it there for a week and then pick it back up for church. God, may we be diving into our Bibles and may we take the opportunity that we have as people who can study your word very, very, very um, important in our lives, God. Um, God, I just pray for tonight's message. Um, God, that, that, that we would be encouraged, we would be inspired, that we would be built up in our most holy faith. Uh, God, that we would be challenged by what your word has to say. Uh, God, I pray that none of these would be my words, uh, but God, that your perfect word would come true. God, anything that would be of me, uh, God, may uh, it fall on deaf ears or may I not even be able to get it out of my mouth. Uh, but God, that your perfect word uh, would come through. Uh, God, we want nothing more uh, than to... Uh, learn the truths of your word, uh, God, and as a result of learning the truths of your word, go out and make great the name of Jesus. So, God, we just thank you. Uh, God, we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 <coughs> How many of you guys have allergies? Yeah. Anyone have a... Okay, this is good. We're in a group that more than half of you have allergies. <laughs> praise the Lord, I'm not alone. 
I, I always feel like I'm the only one with allergies. <laughs> so if I'm sniffling a lot or if I'm coughing a little bit, uh, the allergies have been gnarly the last few days. It's the whole thing with no rain and whatnot. So I'm praising Jesus. It's going to be a little bit rainy for a little bit because uh, it takes all the pollen and stuff out of the air. All right, you guys all in John chapter 10. Everyone in John chapter 10? All right, we're going to pick up in verse 1, and we're going to read through, oh, verse 18 or so. And then we're going to spend the next few minutes taking a look at what God's Word, His perfect law of liberty has to say. This is what it says in chapter 10, verse 1 of the Gospel according to John. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will be by no means followers of a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of these strangers. And Jesus used this as an illustration, but they did not understand the things which he <coughs> spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And whoever came before me, those are thieves and robbers. <clears throat> but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out uh, to find pastures. But the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I have come that you may have life and that you may have life more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, but one who does not own the sheep, when he sees a wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and then scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. But I am a good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep uh, I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring in, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock, and there will be one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself, and I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it back up again. This command I receive from my Father. All right, a lot of uh, information here, and, and, and Jesus uses an illusion, okay? When Jesus is teaching, he teaches in many different ways. Uh, sometimes he's very straight to the point. Other times he uses parables. Some of the time he just asks those questions that make people ponder. Other times he asks the questions that he knows he's going to get a certain answer, and then he throws the Jesus juke at him and takes it a completely different way. And other times Jesus uses these illustrations, and, and, he, and he paints a picture uh, by describing us as certain things. Uh, here he describes us as sheep, and he describes himself as a shepherd. Uh, now, if you're taking notes, uh, I would encourage you to take notes. Uh, not because I think I have anything good to say, uh, but because I believe God's Word has something good to say, and I think God's Word has something that's applicable to all of us. I can go into the statistics of how note-taking helps us remember things, but how many of you guys know that 87% of statistics are made up on the spot? Yeah, okay. I, Probably about like 1% of them. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, only 1% knows that. It's crazy, right? Uh, so, no, just take notes. I think it's great that you're taking notes. The title... Uh, the title of tonight's message, the title of tonight's message, uh, it's, it's a classic movie title. Uh, it's Dances with Wolves. All right? So if you're taking notes, the title of tonight's message is Dances with Wolves. And it, it hopefully will all make sense a little bit later on. Um, that's always the last thing I come up with when I, when I write a sermon. I'm like, ah, oh, what would be an interesting title for this message? Um, and I came up with Dances with Wolves as I was driving here. And I was like, ah, I need the... And so that's what we get. Uh, I haven't seen that movie in forever. Um, but it's, uh, it's Dances with Wolves. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a second. Uh, Jesus uses some, some pictures. Uh, and, and, and he paints a picture here uh, about a shepherd with some sheep. Uh, how many of you guys are familiar with a passage of Scripture uh, that comes uh, from Matthew?
Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Anyone know what Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 says? Anyone? Okay. I, I figured that might be the case, and so I've come prepared for you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Uh, Jesus is warning us uh, not to be led away by false teachers and false prophets because they are wolves in sheep's clothing who come uh, and tear us to pieces. <clears throat> Okay, we see Paul the Apostle write later on that we are to be weary of false doctrine and false teachers because uh, it entices us and it pulls us away. Uh, it's, it's, it's falseness, it's lies hidden amongst truth that will cause us to stumble. We're going to talk a little bit more uh, about that later uh, in our evening, but what Jesus is going to be referring to us as uh, here in John, as he refers to us as sheep, and I want us to remember that. Turn with me, if you will. We're going to jump around just a little bit. And notice how I didn't do any review uh, of the previous ten chapters. Uh, there's a lot there, and if you haven't, uh, if you're just picking up with us and you haven't been with us for the first nine chapters of John, we record we record all of our sermons. You guys can come get uh, an MP3 recording from me, uh, and you can get yourself kept caught up. But Luke chapter 15. Uh, uh, in the first portion of that chapter, uh, Jesus gives a parable. And this is what he says, picking up in verse 4. He says, uh, What man of you, having 100 sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say this to you, that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who are in no need of repentance. So Jesus is using a parable here. Now, do you guys really think he's referring to uh, people going and seeking out the lost sheep? You guys think that might be what Jesus is actually referring to? No, no, no. He's using something that is that is pretty familiar to his audience, but that's not exactly what he's talking about. He later goes on to say, I am the shepherd who goes out and seeks after the sheep. And here in John, we see that Jesus refers to us as sheep and himself as the shepherd. Um, now, I was in the presence of a resident sheep expert um, last week. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to spend a few days uh, with a guy who's a sheep expert. Not because he's an expert with sheep. Uh, no, because he invited me over uh, to hang out over at his house. He's a great guy. But he used to be a sheep farmer. And um, I asked him, and I said, uh, uh, hey, you know, uh, how smart are sheep? Okay? How many of you guys know anything about sheep? Any of you guys know anything about sheep? No. Any, any, anyone ever work on a farm with sheep before? Uh, I've wrestled a, a, a goat, which I think is just like a male sheep, uh, and it, it was a very, very big animal, uh, and it was, I guess it wasn't a goat, it was a ram. So that's a male sheep, right? Yeah, it was a ram. Uh, and this ram's name was Abraham, uh, and this ram was like a solid chunk of muscle. It was like the most terrifying thing ever, and it had a piece of wood wedged up in between its uh, hoof, and it was like cutting into the soft part of its foot, and he was having a really hard time. And I was trying to help out the sheep, but the sheep was just freaking out. I'm like, you stupid animal, like just chill. I'm trying to help you out. Um, but, yeah, I was talking to the sheep uh, expert, and he, he, over his lifetime, has, has worked with over a 1,000 different sheep and whatnot. He's given, uh, he's helped birth a few sheeps. Um, he's, he's given a sheep that was, like, that died on birth. Uh, he gave a sheep mouth to mouth and actually brought the sheep back from the dead uh, and then he had to spit out all the sheep fluid, uh, which is disgusting. Um, he also told us that, that some sheep, uh, they, when they're born, they're so dumb, they, they choke on their own birthing fluid. So what you have to do, I kid you not, listen to this, you grab the sheep by his hind legs. It sounds terrible. And so if you are someone who's like an animal lover, it doesn't hurt the sheep in any way. They're very nimble when they come out. But you grab it by their back legs and you legitimately swing it around your head because the force of the of the spinning <laughs> clears out its lungs and everything of all the birdhood, and so it brings it back from drowning. Aren't you glad we don't treat our young like that? But uh, <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing: uh, sheep are so dumb they drown on their own mucus. Okay. Um, so yeah, I asked him. I said, "Hey, how smart are sheep?" And, and and literally, sheep are like the dumbest animal 
uh, on the entire planet. Okay, sheep are legitimately stupid, um, and uh, but they can stay warm every <laughs> once in a while because um, that warm one up. That has nothing to do with it. Uh, Jesus refers to us as sheep. Uh, now, me, I like to think of myself as someone who's a, at least a little bit smart. I got a bachelor's degree uh, from from a, a state university. Like, I feel like I'm a little bit smart, you know. Uh, so I'm like, man, like Jesus, why didn't you just like maybe like a ferret? They're a little bit smarter, you know. Uh, but no, Jesus refers to us uh, as humanity, as literally the dumbest animal on the planet. He says, "You guys are the sheep," um, and. It could be a jab at our pride, which I think is a healthy jab at our pride, because we really, as people, we're not the smartest much, okay? Uh, if given the opportunity to do something uh, very responsible, and then given the same opportunity to go do something extremely irresponsible uh, that looks a lot more fun, we tend to go do the irresponsible thing. Yeah. Um, I take this back. Uh, there's one animal that I think might be a little bit crazier. How many of you guys have ever heard of a lemming before? Okay, lemmings are so dumb. Uh, they like they'll all go up to the edge of a cliff and like one will look over the cliff and then like walk away and then run and jump off the cliff. And then all of them are like great idea. And then they all just like run and jump off the cliff and there's like mass lemming suicides. Um, so they're pretty dumb animals. I think literally though sheep would probably do the same thing if they didn't have shepherds. Uh, I've seen some billy goats climb hills and it's very terrifying. Um, but Jesus refers to us as sheep. Um, and we're going to jump over uh, verses 1 through 3. Verses 1 through 3 are very important. Jesus is referring to uh, uh, someone who's coming in through the sheep gate, who is the shepherd, uh, and he's referring to himself. If, if, if someone comes through the sheep gate, that is the shepherd, but anyone who comes into the sheep pen any other way besides the gate, that person is a thief or a robber. And what Jesus is referring to here is he's referring to... Uh, other religions and other false teachers, people who would come to try and pervert or to steal the flock. And we're going we're gonna to come back to those few verses in just a second. But I want us to look real quick at verse 4. This is what verse 4 has to say here in John chapter 10. It says, And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and then the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write down a question real quick. And I don't think we're going to answer it in tonight's sermon but I think this is a question that only you can answer on your own. And I think it's a question that you should uh, spend some time answering uh, while you're doing your own personal prayer and your own devotional time. Um, Jesus refers to us as sheep. He refers to himself as the shepherd. And he says, when the sheep go out, the shepherd goes before him and they follow him and the sheep know his voice. The question I want to ask you guys tonight uh, is, do you know the voice of your shepherd? Do you know the voice of your shepherd? And I want you guys maybe to, to write that down, but then ponder that and think about that. Do I know the voice of my shepherd? And if the answer is no, then the logical next step would be, what can I do to get to know the voice of the shepherd? And if the answer is yes, I do know the voice of the shepherd, do you listen? And do you go where he leads? Because, and I ask, yeah, 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 and, and, and uh, there, there's that little voice, and there's the Holy Spirit, um, but, but what I want us to focus on is, do we know the voice of our shepherd, and if we do, do we follow what he says, do we go where he leads? Because we see in Luke chapter 15 that there are some sheep that wander away, and uh, when we wander, uh, how do we get back? And, it, and we're going to cover all that uh, in just a little bit. And so Jesus in verse 6, he says, uh, or, or, or John writes in verse 6, he says, Jesus used this illustration, uh, but the people did not understand it. So he had to write to them again. Uh, this is a common theme we see when Jesus is talking to uh, scribes and Pharisees <laughs> and those uh, who were the religious people. He would tell them something, then they wouldn't understand, so he'd have to break it down for them again. And I really want us to look uh, at, at the next uh, 11 verses or so, because uh, this is where the meat of our message is going to be tonight. <coughs> Jesus goes on and, he, and he's done talking vaguely and abstractly. He's, he gets right to the point. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and all who came before me were robbers and thieves. Anyone who came before me claiming to be a Messiah, anyone who came before me claiming to have the way, anyone who came before me claiming to be some 
genius of religious, esoteric, whatever, get yourself to God ism. Uh, who came before Jesus was a robber and a thief and came really with one purpose, and that it was to lead humanity away from God to their own devices. We could spend time going over all the different people who came before Jesus. Uh, a really real person named Siddhartha Gautama. Anyone know who Siddhartha Gautama is? Okay, you might know him by a better name. Wait, wait, wait who, who said that? Yeah, Buddha. Yeah, Buddha came before Jesus. Uh, many, many Hindu prophets and teachers came before Jesus. Um, Zoroastrianism, we could really break down a bunch of stuff. People who came before Jesus saying, we have the way to God. Uh, and Jesus says, no, they were all false. Uh, Jesus said, I am the only way. We'll see in John chapter 14, verse 6, which is probably like eight weeks away from us. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus points out that he's the only way. Um, and that's very important um, to our understanding of who he is uh, and what this faith we have uh, that's called Christianity is all about. It's all about Jesus. And he says, I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and have pasture. Um, in other words, Jesus says, if, if you follow him and he is your shepherd, he will open the door for you, and you can have Rest. When a sheep goes to pasture, that's like it's the sheep's like chill time. It's like, yeah, I get to eat, I get to lay down. Uh, the psalmist says he will lead us uh, in, in, in still pasture or, or, or green pastures by still waters. Like it Jesus is talking about, hey, if you follow me, uh, you have peace. Now, he doesn't say you have happy-go-lucky all the time uh, because sheep still have to worry about wolves. And we're going to get there. Uh, but Jesus says you will have a peace. And not only a peace, but you will have a hope. Okay? And that hope is something that cannot be taken away. That hope is the absolute expectancy of good to come. That good to come is eternity uh, with Christ in heaven. But Jesus says, I want to warn you guys, uh, because there are people out there. There are wolves. There are sheep, uh, or, or wolves in sheep clothing. Those who are robbers, those who are thieves. And they come with one purpose, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Three words, uh, all with similar meanings, uh, but all aren't the greatest uh, action words. Okay, uh, Steal, kill, and destroy. Um, I'm not super fluent in legal jargon. But the last time I checked, uh, stealing is illegal. Last time I checked, killing is illegal. Uh, and destroying or the defacing of uh, public property uh, is illegal. Um, so if our government and our law thinks those aren't the greatest things, uh, I'm pretty sure God has some standards about those things also. Uh, stealing, killing, and destroying, these aren't the greatest things. Uh, but that is what the enemy, a.k.a. the devil, uh, a.k.a. false teachers, uh, a.k.a. the things of this world, that's what they want to do to you. Uh, the things of this world, or false teachers, and, 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 and I, I keep using that phrase, and I'm going to come back to that in just a second, because we're going to really define uh, some false teachers uh, in, in a little bit. But they come with one purpose, and that's to steal, kill, and destroy. So a false teacher says, Sam, how's it going? And Sam's like, I'm doing great. Like, let's do this thing. And they're like, awesome. It's going to be great for you. <laughs> but really, I'm going to steal from you. I'm going to kill you. And then I'm going to destroy your legacy, right? I mean, everyone wants that to happen to them, right? How many yeah. of you guys, by a show of hands, would love it if someone would steal from you? Yeah. No. Uh, how many of you guys would love it if someone... No. And uh, the destruction side of things? No. None of us want our stuff destroyed. Uh, I met my friend here, Tyler, tonight. Uh, he lived in North Salem a little while ago. He had a car stolen from him. Um, actually, a funny story about JR, because JR is here. Uh, a few years ago, I had my car stolen from me. Uh, my car was stolen right out from in front of my house. I went out to my car at 8 o'clock in the morning, and uh, it was there. Put some stuff in it, left for an hour, came back, my car was gone. And I was like, who steals a car at literally 9 o'clock in the morning? Okay, Someone did. And uh, I, I was freaking out. I'm like freaking out. Facebook, blowing up Facebook. And this was back when MySpace was around, so I blew up MySpace also. I was like, hey, y'all, my car got stolen. If you see it, it's the one with all the crazy stickers on it. Uh, you can't miss it. If you see it, please let me know. Um, well, at about, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was one in the morning. There's this pounding on my door, and, and we're all asleep at the Morris house. And I'm like, what is that? And I, I, was it my dad who went down and answered the door? I think it was my dad. My dad comes down, and he opens the door, and there's JR there. JR's like, I found Matt's car. He was not happy. Yeah, no, my dad was not happy. Hey, my dad's a light sleeper, and if you wake him up, uh, we're recording this, don't wake my dad up. He gets a little bit crazy. Uh, so he comes down, and he opens up the door, and JR's there. JR's like, I got Matt's car. And so I ended up getting my car back. Uh, they stole my sound system and everything. Uh, but uh, getting stuff stolen from you sucks unless you have JR around because then it gets awesome because he saves the day. I told you guys he was a hero, right? Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. But yeah, it sucks getting things stolen from us. Think about getting killed and destroyed and all that stuff. Uh, this is not something that we want to have happen. But there are very real forces out there. Uh, there's a very real supernatural enemy, but there is also some very real physical enemies out there that are here to steal, to kill, and destroy us if we are not paying attention. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. We as sheep, being the church, shepherded by Jesus, there are wolves in sheep's clothing who come into our churches and who try and destroy us from the inside out. There are those who are outside forces who try and destroy us from the outside in. Um, and we are told throughout Scripture to be weary of them. Paul tells almost every single church he writes to in the New Testament, be weary of false teachers. Peter tells the churches and, and those who are of the dispersion there in First and Second Peter, he says, be weary of false teachers. Jude tells us that there are those in our midst who are false teachers and they wish to destroy you. James tells us, be weary of false teachers who use their tongue the wrong way. So pretty much every single writer of the New Testament, any epistle that was written to the church, uh, it warns us about false teaching. Okay, uh, So I think false teaching is a big deal, and I think we should pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. uh, not only was it a big deal for the writers of the New Testament, uh, but the disciples of the writers of the New Testament, so the first century church fathers, uh, every single one of them, they're writing, be weary of false teachers. Uh, we get to about halfway through the 2nd century, and we get this dude showing up on the scene. His name's Irenaeus. He's a bishop in Lyons, which is modern-day France. Uh, he is a disciple of Polycarp, and Polycarp was a disciple of John, the very writer of this gospel. And Irenaeus writes this volume. Uh, it, 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 it's so many volumes. It's a book called Against Heresies. It is literally like some 800-plus different pages in papyri that say, uh, this is a heresy, this is what they teach, Beware, because they're going to try and destroy you from the inside out. This is another heresy. They're teaching all this false doctrine. Be weary, because they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Guys, this is very important to us, and we live in a culture and a society that has been so, where the gospel has been so watered down in some cases, that false teaching, when it comes, we don't even know. Uh, there are some very smart false teachers that have learned ways to twist Scripture for their own gain, and so many people follow them blindly. So the reason, this is just some random name for a sermon, Dances with Wolves. We literally, on a day-to-day basis, as followers of Christ, we are sheep who are dancing with wolves. There are wolves all around us. And not only are there wolves all around us, but there's one who roams around like a lion, seeking who roams around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Okay, uh, that's the enemy. So don't. Not only do we have to worry about this lion, but we also have to worry about all these wolves that are around us. Jesus breaks down for us what some of these wolves <coughs> look like. Uh, and we're going to look at one form of wolf, and then we're going to finish out the chapter, and then we're going to look at a few other kinds of wolves. Okay? Uh, but the first wolf that Jesus refers to uh, is a wolf uh, that the New King James deems a hireling. Okay, everyone say hireling. Okay, this is not referring to like a hireling and a lowerling. This isn't someone who puts themselves like high above. No, this is someone who is a hired hand. Okay, like a ranch hand. How many of you guys, okay, this is, uh, I was going to say this is going to date me, but we're all like the same. So, um, but this might show my TV uh, uh, tendencies and you guys might laugh at me. How many of you guys ever had the TV show or, or the TV channel TV Land? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had like Nick at Night, like like all the old, all, no, not seventies show. No, like we're talking like Sanford and Sons. Anyone Sanford and Sons? Oh, okay. The Andy Griffith Show. 
Okay. Happy days? Happy days. Okay. Uh, bonanza. Bonanza. Raise your hand if you've ever seen Bonanza before. Uh, okay. Uh, Philemon, you're from Germany. <laughs> they probably didn't have Bonanza in Germany, did they? It's a cowboy show. The Great American West. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it follows the Cartwrights, and there's this awesome family. Ben Cartwright's the dad, and he's awesome. And then you got Hoss and Little Joe and their brother Adam. Uh, and just this awesome family. They live on the Ponderosa, and they're ranchers. And they own all this land, <coughs> but from time to time, they have to hire some ranch hands because ranch hands are there to help them with their cattle. Well, it wasn't like the Ponderosa back in Jesus' day. They didn't have cattle and whatnot. They had sheep. And sometimes shepherds would have what they called hirelings. They were people who were paid. Like, let's say Sam was chilling on the side of the road. I said, yo, Sam, I know you don't got a job right now. I'll pay you five bucks a day to help me watch my sheep. Sam's like, sweet, five bucks, five big chickens. Let's do this thing. And so he hops on board, and we go, and he's going to help me with my sheep for the next few weeks or whatnot. Um, what Jesus refers to uh, when he's saying these hirelings, he's saying these hirelings uh, are wolves in sheep's clothing. Why? Because they do not care for the health and the well-being of the flock. Whereas me, let's just use it, let's continue using this example. If I'm the shepherd and the owner of these sheep, I have a vested interest in the sheep. One, because they're my investment. Okay. Two, because in some ways they're the source of my clothing. Three, they're the source of some food and maybe some milk, uh, and they're a sense of in income for me. I mean, the, the, the sheep, and didn't you pile on top of all that? They're like family to me because they're my little pets, you know? And, like, I love my sheep. And how many of you guys... Okay, complete side note, segue from the sermon. Um, how many of you guys know the, the, the Hazes, okay? The Hazes have a bar, uh, farm that has sheep. Uh, that's where I wrestled this ram. Um, you know Abraham, the big ram, yeah, Braddon knows. Um, but these sheep gave birth to these little lambs. And I'll tell you what, I, I haven't been around them when they're covered in all their gooey stuff. But uh, like a few days later, these, these like baby lambs, guys, might be the cutest things ever. And when you hold them, and they just like they like just nuzzle up, and they just like fall asleep in your arms. Like I had this like baby sheep in my arms, and like I'm melting like butter right out of the microwave. I'm just like. Cutest thing ever. Oh, I thought about it. Like, <laughs> sheep are cute. So, you can imagine a shepherd who's, who's helped raise these sheep. I mean, there's a reason why uh, the prophet Nathan in the Old Testament, when, uh, when David did his whole thing with Uriah and Bathsheba, that Nathan comes and the example he gives is of a rich man who had many sheep and a poor man who had one sheep. And like the sheep was a part of the family and the rich man came and stole that sheep and killed it and all the terrible stuff that went along with it. But like sheep were a part of the family back in the day. Okay. Uh, and in many cases, we've done archaeological digs of uh, first century homes and the livestock would actually live in the home with the people. So like me as a shepherd, I have a vested interest in my sheep. But Sam, who's getting paid $5 a day to help me watch my sheep, he could care less. He's like, I just want my money. So Jesus says, when wolves come along, these hirelings, they run away. Um, and I, I, I don't want us to get confused here on when it says wolves. These aren't the wolves I'm referring to. The hirelings are the wolves I'm referring to. Okay, The wolves that come to the sheep and the hirelings flee, the wolves could just be hard times or uh, uh, something that would disrupt something in the church. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Uh, a pastor of a church. Uh, the same word that's used in the Greek for pastor is the same word for shepherd. Okay, uh, Pastors are the shepherds of their flock, their flock being their individual <coughs> churches. Now, each one of us as under-shepherds to Jesus, Jesus is the ultimate shepherd of the church, pastors are shepherds of uh, their individual churches. Uh, I am the shepherd of Ecclesia Young Adults, but you guys are all... I'm just the under-shepherd to Pastor Dave, who's the shepherd of Hillside. You guys all getting that? Okay. Um, me, as a shepherd, I have a vested interest in you guys. Um, whereas, let's just say I was some dude off the side of the road who, like, I'm standing there with my cardboard sign or whatnot, and I'm just preaching, you know. I'm like, turn, like, repent, and whatnot. And, like, Pastor Dave's like, hey, I like that sermon. You want to come be, like, a pastor for a night? 
Like, I know my dad would never do that, but let's just say that person comes and something bad happens. That person doesn't care. They just leave. They just leave. They're like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. Because they have no vested interest. Okay, so that's shepherd over the flock. Now we're going to go into when like someone's going through like a hard situation. I'm like, uh, that's where a pastor, they got to come alongside. They're like, hey, man, I know you're going through a hard time. Like, let's see what we can do. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to come alongside you. And, 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 I mean, there's been many times where I've had someone come alongside me or I've come alongside someone else, uh, and, and that's the role. But where, as a hireling or a wolf in sheep's clothing who's only there for his own personal gain, when hard times come, they split. Okay? I'm going to use an example. Uh, not, not by name or anything. Uh, but there are some pastors uh, who their sole purpose and their sole want in pastoring uh, is to get a paycheck, okay? Which is, in one way is terrible because if you want to be a pastor, you're really not going to make much money unless you're part of a very elite few churches. Uh, I've chosen this as a line of work. I'm trusting God uh, because it's not the greatest financially. It's all good. Uh, but some pastors are there just for the money. And uh, when times get hard, they throw in their resignation and go look for a new church that's going to pay them. It happens every single day. And it's not just in America. It's all over. Pastors who are in it for the wrong reasons, when time gets hard, they leave. They bounce. It's, it's, it's sad, but it's a reality. People who don't care about their flock, but who only care about themselves. And Jesus is saying, hey, be weary of those kinds. Stay away from those kind of people because they only have their own personal interests in mind. Um, luckily, I know firsthand uh, that you guys are going to a church where uh, your pastor cares for you very much. Uh, pastor Dave, uh, he cares for each and every single one of us very, very much. Uh, we had an elders meeting in this very room last night, and what we do in our elders meeting, we go through the entire roster of everyone who calls Hillside home. Uh, and we talk about each and every single individual, from the youngest newborn baby who talked about Ireland, uh, all the way up to the oldest person in the church. And we talk about them. We talk about their health, uh, both physically and uh, spiritually, uh, because we care about each and every single person who God has entrusted us with. So that being said, uh, this is also a plug for you guys. If ever you guys feel like, hey, you know what? I'm going through something. Uh, Pastor Matt, I'd love to talk with you. Please, please feel free uh, to talk with me. I don't have all the answers. I'll be honest. I don't have all the answers. Uh, and sometimes the best answer is I don't know, but I'll find out. Uh, and, I, and, and I've got enough. Uh, Y'all can tell you, I don't know. I'm not going to try and make something up on the spot for you. Uh, but that's what a good shepherd does. A good shepherd says, I care for you, and I'm going to stick in it with you through thick and thin. And so uh, that's what God has called pastors to do. Uh, and God has called really each and every single one of us as followers of Christ because we're disciple makers uh, and being a disciple maker makes you a leader. And if you, so if you call yourself a Christian, you are a leader whether you think you are or you think you're not. Because if you're following Christ, and, it, and if you're following Christ the way Christ told us to follow him, then you will make disciples because he said go and make disciples. So if we follow, we're going to make disciples, which makes us a leader. And so we have a responsibility to the person we're discipling. So that's all there. It wasn't really a part of what we were going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about wolves and sheep's clothing. <coughs> um, Jesus says this in verse 14. He said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, uh, and I am known by my sheep. Again, a reference to Luke uh, chapter 15, how Jesus would go and he would seek out the one, leave the 99 in a safe place, and go and seek out the one and bring them back. Um, and, and, and guys, that's what we're called to do. When we have brothers and sisters, when we have friends who are hurting, when we have friends who are making bad decisions, our job is to go and to be a brother and a sister and love them and go and get them. And go and get them and say, I, I'm leaving what I'm doing. I'm leaving comfortableness and I'm going to go get you because you need to get right. God, that's what we're called to do. And I want to challenge you guys with that. If you have a brother, if you have a sister, if you have a friend uh, who... who uh, you know they're making poor decisions. Uh, it, guys, it is our role as fellow brothers and sisters of them to call them out. Not in a call-out way where we're like, hey, let's throw down. No, but in a loving way, like, hey, you know what? You, you claim to be a follower of Christ. 
you got to make right decisions and let's live the way we're supposed to as followers of Christ. And, uh, and so I just want to challenge you guys with that because, guys, it's not always the easiest thing to do. It really isn't. It really isn't. I've, I've had many times uh, where, where, where I've had to say some, some harmful or, or, or some hurtful things uh, because uh, they needed to be said. And, and Proverbs tells us that uh, uh, the wounds uh, of a friend uh, are, are actually for the good. Okay? Uh, when we say the right thing, sometimes it's the hurtful thing. But when we say the right thing and we truly love someone, uh, it might hurt. Love hurts. True love hurts. But in the end, it's going to produce good. It's going to produce good. And, 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 I mean, Jesus said some pretty, could be taken as hurtful things. But when we look at the love that's behind it, uh, we see there's hope on the other side. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. He goes on to say this. He says, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And then he goes on to talk uh, a little bit more about uh, how there is another fold that he will go. He will be their shepherd also, and he will bring them to his flock, and there will be one flock and one uh, shepherd. You guys see that there uh, in, in, in verse 16? Uh, this could be maybe a little bit confusing, like, okay, he's a shepherd of one flock, he's going to go get another flock. What does that mean? Um, uh, guys, I've, I've heard some weird stories of what that might mean, or some weird ideas. Uh, my favorite, I'm going to share it with you because it's so weird, and then I'm actually going to tell you what it means. One guy told me that, uh, well, what this means is that there's one flock, which is humanity here on earth, and Jesus has to be the shepherd of them. But since there's another flock, it must mean there's another humanity on some other earth. And so he's got to go be their shepherd also. <laughs> and then he's going to bring us all together, and it's going to be some cosmic gathering in heaven that there's all these different groups of aliens, and Jesus is their shepherd, and we come together as one flock. Weird, okay, weird. Uh, and it's, it's, it's 99.9 repeating percent probably not the case. Uh, I would go as far as to say it's 100% not the case. Uh, because when we look at the context, Jesus is talking to the Jews and saying, hey, we got this flock, but there's another flock. There's the Jews and the Gentiles. And he's saying uh, they're going to join this flock as well. And we are going to be one flock with one shepherd, and I'm going to be the shepherd. And so if you guys, uh, if, 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 how many of you guys, anyone got Jewish ancestry? They did? Awesome. Uh, he's the only one. Uh, the rest of you, the rest of you, uh, you are here as a result of Jesus saying, uh, there are multiple flocks, and I'm going to go grab the rest of them. As Gentiles, uh, it's awesome that Jesus has grafted us in uh, to the family of Abraham, and we, when we believe uh, they counted to us as faith, and now we are a part, we are grafted into this family, uh, and, and, and it, it, it's super awesome. There's a lot of theological uh, epicness that's involved there, but we're a part of this family as a result. We're a part of this flock of sheep as a result of Jesus saying, hey, I'm going to come, I'm going to take you, you're going to join my flock. Now here's the really, really meat of it all, uh, and it's awesome we're ending with this. Um, and I say we're ending, but that doesn't mean we're going to end time-wise. I'm just saying these are the last few verses we're going to go over. We're still going to go for a few more minutes. Uh, but it says this in verse 17. Therefore, the Father loves me because I laid down my life that I might take it up again. Okay, guys, here's Jesus like prophesying that he is going to die and then raise again. But he doesn't just say I'm going to be killed and then I'm going to be raised again. He says, no, no that I am going to give up my life, and then I am going to raise myself. This is very, very important for reasons we're going to get to in just a second. It says this in verse 18, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself, and I have the power to lay my own life down. And I have the power to raise it up again. This is one of the things I really want us to focus on. Uh, Jesus saying, I give up my life, but I also have the power to raise it up again. <coughs> because, this is where it all ties in, with the wolves and sheep's clothing and the dancers with wolves. Uh, almost 90-something percent of all the heresies that were around in the first century, second century, third century, that all these early church writers were saying, hey, beware of these false teachers, beware of these false teachers, were all heresies that revolved around the fact that Jesus was not fully God, 
for he was fully God, so he had zero humanity in him. Uh, and, and, and so as fully God, um, maybe God like became a man, left his godliness, and now was just a man, uh, and walked among us fully man. But then when he died on the cross, uh, uh, he died as a human, and then uh, God raised this human back up from the dead. Or some say he was fully God, but when he died on the cross, uh, God left him, and then he died as a man. Uh, and, and, and I'm probably going over some theological things, so I, I don't know all the difference in what all this means. Uh, let's just say uh, the majority of the false teachers the New Testament is referring to, and the early church fathers are referring to, are people who did not believe Christ was who he said he was. People who did not believe Christ was both fully man and fully God. Mystery, we can't understand it, but these people were trying to say this is exactly how it works, and uh, uh, this, this, and this. And all of them, every single one of those false teachings of the first few centuries of Christianity, all had one common uh, doctrine, and it was that Jesus was created. That God created Jesus for a specific purpose, uh, which is 100% false. Jesus is not a created being. Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are one and the same. Uh, it is this thing we believe in called the Trinity. God did not create Jesus. Yeah, he was always there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? Um, but there were many, many false teachings throughout the first few centuries of Christianity that taught that Jesus was created, that God created Jesus for a specific purpose. Uh, there were also false teachings that say Jesus was just a man. And that at his baptism, God saw that he was a faithful man. And so God gave him the power of the divine. And he lost his divine power on the cross and all that. Uh, some very weird things. They sound foreign to us as evangelical Protestant Christians who have grown up with, yeah, the Trinity. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. Like, yeah. Uh, but to the first century Christians, this was a new idea to them. And they were freaking out. And there were people going around saying, yeah, you know, Jesus was created. Uh, and he was created for, yeah, you know, he, he, he's not the same as God. He's just like an instrument of God. Like people saying some really, really weird stuff. Uh, yeah, and, and, and so the writers of the New Testament, Jesus himself, are saying, hey, beware of these group of people. Um, and here's the really scary thing about it. Uh, we saw kind of, if you look at history and you look at the history of Christianity, uh, these heresies kind of fell off. Uh, no one really believed them that much anymore. Maybe there was a pocket here or a pocket there. Uh, but they really kind of disappeared uh, throughout the history of Christianity. From about the 6th, 7th century on, uh, there really wasn't any of that until uh, the 1800s. And there was, this, there was this move for, like, the restoration and, like, yeah, like, awesome. Like, let's rewrite Christianity and all this cool stuff. Uh, and some things took place out of that. There were some gentlemen, uh, they weren't related, they weren't really in contact with one another, but there were some gentlemen, all simultaneous of each other, uh, who began saying, you know what? When I read the Bible, I think that Jesus is, is created, and God had a purpose for him. Uh, one of these guys uh, was a guy by the name of Joseph Smith. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know who Joseph Smith is? Uh, yeah, uh, another one uh, was the was the leader and the founder of uh, what was called uh, the World Bible Track uh, Association or something like that. A guy by the name of Charles Taz Russell. Anyone know who Charles Taz Russell is? Okay, you're going to learn today. Um, and uh, uh, Joseph Smith and Charles Taz Russell, two uh, uh, completely different people, uh, but who have completely shaped much of what American Christianity is. Is known by. Whoa, whoa, okay. Uh, Joseph Smith uh, is the founder of the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter Day Saints, aka the Mormon Church, uh, one of the largest religions in the world. Uh, Charles Taz Russell is the founder of what uh, is uh, the Watchtower Society, aka Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. Uh, how many of you guys have heard of Mormons? How many of you guys have heard of Jehovah's Witnesses before? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and 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 uh, Mormons and Jehovah Witness uh, to most of the world, 
would be clumped in as Christian. Jehovah's Witness. Oh, yeah, they're witnesses of Jehovah, the God of Christianity. Oh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, Jesus Christ. They must be Christian. Uh, many, if not all, Jehovah's Witness, and many, if not all, Mormons would say that they are Christian. Uh, but here is the reality about this. Uh, Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnessism uh, are two wolves in sheep clothes. They, they are cult, and they are very much full of false doctrine. Uh, one of those doctrines, and this is the only doctrine we're going to cover tonight because there's way too much to talk about. We'll do an apologetics class on a Saturday. We'll have fun doing that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, we will do that. I think that'd be good. And, 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 and we'll maybe look at doing that at some point in May. Um, but there's one doctrine that both of those have in common that's actually in common with the early church heresies. And that is that Jesus is a created being. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses would believe that Jesus is actually the archangel Michael, uh, who did something epic in heaven, became Jesus, came down to earth, did his thing as Jesus, died on, not a cross, but on a stake, and uh, then when he was buried and put in his grave, his body just evaporated and he was no more because God took him back up to heaven and now he's in heaven again as Michael the Archangel. Awesome. And uh, then there's Mormonism, which believes uh, that Jesus is actually the son of uh, the son of Elohim, who is one of many endless gods, but uh, Jesus is the son of this God, so a created being, the son of this God. They believe that Jesus came as a result of uh, uh, some heavenly sexual relationships between God the Father and then Goddess the Mother. And now we have Jesus, and Jesus' brother happens to be Lucifer, and then they both had their epic plans for salvation, and Lucifer didn't work, so Lucifer got mad and rebelled, and Jesus' worse, so Jesus now comes. But it's not the same Jesus that we believe in. Uh, and so they always tend to use verses that they've warped and like, oh, well, you know, like Jesus is the firstborn over all humanity. That's what Hebrews says. Uh, well, when you look at the context of that verse and when you look at it hermeneutically, where it fits inside that chapter of Hebrews, it means nothing about Jesus being born the first of humanity, like, 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 like a creation. It means nothing about that. They, they take that one verse, like, oh, look, look, it says this and whatnot. Uh, and I'm going to give you guys one tool. Is it okay if I give you one practical, applicable tool? When talking to a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness, every time the conversation goes, it can turn into a heated debate. It can turn into a friendly conversation. Uh, but one thing you guys should always do is always, always, always love them, okay? Because Jesus loves them, okay? Uh, and number two, uh, because Jesus loves them, talk about Jesus, okay? Uh, and then when you talk about Jesus, talk about the divinity of Jesus. Because that's where you're going to get to them. Like, uh, wait, wait, wait. You don't believe in the same Jesus? What? And then you're going to be able to point out, hey, okay, well, you say Jesus is created. You say Jesus is not God. Because Jehovah's Witness and, and Mormons, they are what is called non-Trinitarians. They do not believe in the Trinity. They believe that Jesus is something different than God the Father. And so what you guys can do is, is, is you guys can use some very... Important verses that we just read and point out to them that no, 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 no. Jesus is God and is the same as God. He, he is God. And, and here's the one verse that I really would like you guys to underline in your Bibles, highlight it, and you're going to want to point it out. And it's John chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus says this, No one takes it from me, referring to his life, but I lay it down of myself, and I have the power to lay it down. Here's the really important part. And I have the power to raise it up again. Jesus says he doesn't get killed. He gives up his life. But he also says, I raise myself from the dead. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Now let's put some context and some ammunition behind this. Okay. Uh, uh, this, uh, this is the bullet. Uh, and it's awesome, but a bullet in and of itself doesn't actually do anything. Like, you can hold a bullet, you're like, oh, yeah, cool bullet. Like, just a chunk of lead, okay? Uh, you put it in the gun and you pull the trigger, and if it doesn't go anywhere, it's just a chunk of lead. A bullet needs something behind it. It needs a little bit of gunpowder. Uh, and so now we're going to give you the gunpowder and the casing, 
for this uh, bullet of truth. Terrible example. Never use guns from the pulpit. I'll never do it again. That's not a great example. Uh, yeah, man. My bad, you guys. Uh, but uh, uh, turn with me, if you will, to Galatians chapter 1. Um, I was just talking to someone. They bought a new gun today, and I was... Okay. Um, let's use arrows. They're a little less destructive. Uh, Jesus is the arrowhead, and this verse here is the arrowhead. Now we're going to put the, the, the arrow shaft and the bow and the string behind it, okay? Uh, a little less uh, destructive. We, we live in Portland. We have to be a little, right? Politically yeah, no. no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> this is what it says. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 says this. Paul, an apostle... Not for men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Yeah. Paul, an apostle, but not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Pretty cool verse, right? I mean, that's like a staple of Christianity. Like, Jesus died and God raised him from the dead. Um... So Galatians here says that Jesus uh, was raised uh, by God uh, from the dead. Um, but we just read something in John where Jesus says, I raised myself from the dead. Jesus, I raised myself. Well, Galatians says, God the Father raises Jesus from the dead. Jesus himself says, I raised myself from the dead. If then you were to go and you're to look in the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews refers to Jesus as the express image of God the Father. Well, what does this express image mean? Well, it's referring to uh, Jesus being uh, the exact likeness of God. And when we see likeness in the English, we're like, oh yeah, it just means he's white. No, no, no. Likeness in the Greek means that they are one in the same person. God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son are one in the same. Whereas false teachings, false teachers, wolves in sheep's clothing may say, uh, no, Jesus is created. Uh, Jesus is the Son of God, but he's not God. He's just the Son of God. Um, it's a false teaching, and we can disprove that very statement by what Jesus says and by what the authors of the New Testament have to say about Jesus and God the Father. Well, they're like, well, but that's not exactly what Paul meant. Paul didn't mean that like God raised Jesus from the dead, like like or no, like they're not going to call Jesus a liar. Okay, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, they're not going to call Jesus a liar because Jesus here says. Jesus here says, like, like, I raised myself from the dead. So they're not going to call him a liar, because if they call Jesus a liar, then it calls their entire religion a liar in their own opinion. So they're not going to call Jesus a liar. So what they're going to do is they're going to say that Paul's the liar. <coughs> they're going to say, you know, like, Paul, he didn't actually mean what he wrote. Well, then you're going to ask him, well, you believe that the Bible is the Word of God, and that it's, uh, I mean, it's true. They're going to be like, well, yeah, of course, this is the Word of God. It's true. And you're going to take him to 2 uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 which says, all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, exhortation, and correction. And so, 2 Timothy 3.16. So if they believe that the word of God is true, now you have that the word of God is authored by the Holy Spirit. They can't call it a liar. Now they can't call Paul a liar because it's right here in God's word, as God's word. Uh, and Paul says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that God raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, you see elsewhere in Paul's writing that God raised Jesus from the dead through his spirit, or the spirit that raised him from the dead. Uh, you see when you put all these verses together that Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are one and the same. Three distinct entities of the same God. Three distinct persons of the same God. How it all works, uh, the scripture tells us is a divine mystery, and we don't actually know. We, we, we can't fully understand how this works. I've heard people say, uh, well, it's like an egg, you know? You have the shell, the yolk, and the albumen. The white part of the egg. Everyone say albumen. Right, right. right. I, I, I've heard people describe it that way. You know, like, yeah, like, that's awesome. Uh, but one of the last time you had scrambled eggs with a, with a shell in it. Right, right? So you can't have one without the other. 
the the best example I've seen of, of one without the other would be would be the universe, space, matter, time. Uh, you can't have space without matter. You can't have matter without time. You can't have time. I mean, you need each and every single one of them. Okay, and they 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 function. If you don't have one, you don't have the universe. Uh, it's, it's it's not the greatest example, but it's close. Um, but false teachers and, and a common thread among false teachers is is the deity of Christ and his divinity and the uh, the createdness of Christ versus the eternalness of Christ. Uh, and we need to be uh, weary and uh, ready in season and out to give a defense for the hope and the faith that we have as followers of Christ. We're told uh, throughout the New Testament that this is a reality, uh, that we need to have an answer and a hope for the, the faith that we have. Um, now, I gave you just one tool, uh, but we are dancing with wolves. Okay, As sheeps, we are 